Welcome back to the Humans of Education podcast. This week, we have our first school counselor on the show. We have Laura Rizzo. We talk about so many amazing topics, failure, struggle, facing adversity, self-love, coaching, and being boundless. I know you guys are going to enjoy the show. Listen to it once, listen to it twice. Get all these powerful takeaways about being your best for yourself and your students. As always, today's episode is brought to you by our Teacher Fit Partner Schools. If you want to learn more about becoming a Teacher Fit Partner School, please check out the links in the show notes. Guys, enjoy the show, and we can't wait to hear your feedback. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Humans of Education. We are fortunate to have someone that is inspiring both to staff and students. An amazing guest this week. We have Laura Rizzo. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? So nice to finally meet you. I am so well. I'm excited about this episode. You have such an inspirational message. You're doing you know, crazy, amazing things. And I believe you are our first counselor on the show, which I think is important. So I'm excited to hear your story in and out of education and kind of share your message. Um, I appreciate you taking the time on a Sunday. I know you are busy, busy. So no, I want no, to no, get... it's a blessing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get right into it. Give us your kind of story of how you ended up being a counselor in education. You know, being our first counselor, I want to kind of explore what's that route and how did you get here? Well, believe it or not, um, I actually, um, I went to school starting with, let's start with college. I went to school to earn my bachelor's in criminal justice. I, in high school, um, had a law enforcement class that I fell in love with really learned a lot about law and law enforcement, policing and all sorts of careers in law enforcement. So my goal was to be an FBI agent. I said, I'll do a few years in the police department and then, you know, join the FBI. I, I went every time I watched shows, I was super excited about, you know, the forensics of it, just the investigation. So that was always really exciting to me to learn about law enforcement. So I actually went to college to earn my bachelor's in criminal justice. And I did. Um, but as always, God had other plans. So, um, after I graduated from college, I, let me, let me go backwards a little bit. When I was studying abroad in Spain, my senior year at St. Mary's, um, in San Antonio, uh, my senior year, I lived in Spain for, for six months. Awesome. Well, at that point, San Antonio police department, when I applied, I was, you know, I was going to be fresh out of college, go to the police department. I already had a plan in place. And when I applied, they said, you have to come take your test on so-and-so. It's only once a year. It was in March. It was during spring break when I was going to be in Spain. So I had to spend a buttload of money to get myself back to the States, take my written exam, and then get back to Spain. So, you know, all within, you know, mind you, I'm living there for from January to May. So right. all within that time frame. And that's not a that's not a short flight. That's an 18-hour flight. So right. You know, here I am at spring break. Everybody else is going to visit the rest of Europe. And here I am flying back to the States. 
And um, long story short, that didn't work out for one reason or another. Um, I always, I've, I've always been into, into fitness. I've always worked out. I've been an athlete my whole life, but my upper body is one thing that I've always had to work on. And for one reason or another, I just did not make it through to the, the, the fitness exam by one push-up. One push-up, that's all I was missing. So it was a heartbreaking experience, you know, very heartbreaking for me. Um, I graduated from college, and then I said, you know what, let me try other other police departments. I, I went on to apply for the Austin Police Department, passed the fitness exam, made it all the way through, but it was, it had already been six, um, six to eight months after I graduated from college. And I said, you know, college students are eager, you know, you graduate and you just want to get that career started right away. Right. So I did at the same time that I was doing the Austin police department process, I actually did an alternative certification in Houston. So I went to Houston, did an alternative certification. I have my BA in criminal justice. So I said, well, what other, you know, what can I teach? I, I hate math. I hate science. I'm not strong in any of those. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm fluent in Spanish. I might as well just apply to be a Spanish teacher. And I did. So at the same time that I'm doing the Austin Police Department process, I get a call from Pearland Independent School District right outside of Houston that was at the job fair that we had during that certification process, um, that alternative certification program. And um, they said, we want to interview you on the spot, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're looking for Spanish teachers. This is a predominantly um, white. So they're always looking, you know, a predominantly white city. So they're always looking for, for people that speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. And they said, we'll give you a bonus. And bam, I got the job and I was eager to start. So then I just started teaching instead because I was anxious to just get a career started. And I became a Spanish teacher. Um, and then after that, I just, you know, I missed my family. I'm in El Paso, Texas. So driving from El Paso to Houston is a 13-hour drive. Wow. A 13-hour drive is like going from El Paso to where you are. California. That's, that's the 13, 14, you know, that's, yeah. that's less than 15 hours. Well, you're, you're going from one, one edge of the state of Texas to the other. That's a 13 hour drive. So I missed my family like crazy. And then I just, I came back home and I just kept teaching here. My passion has always been um, for 20 years. I've been working with at, at risk youth in a, a leadership camp, which I'll tell you more about later, yep. but um uh, I've always been working with youth. So my passion was to teach them about the obstacles that I had to overcome as a teenager. And that's how I fell in love with teaching and inspiring in education, inspiring kids to overcome anything that comes their way. And, and as a teacher, I was able to, to do that. I was able to coach, which I love sports and I was able to still do my youth impact is what it was called in the name of the organization. And doing youth impact is youth teaching youth how to overcome obstacles. Uh, back then, we focused a lot on drug awareness, mm -hmm. drug and alcohol awareness, underage drinking, safe driving. And, and I just fell in love with teaching for what I was able to give back to the kids that I lacked as a child. Right. Yeah. So I want to pull on a couple things you brought up. And I think a couple of these things. I know that was a lot, right? That was a, it's a real <laughs> long journey, Nick. It's been so, a long journey to that, get to where I am. So we'll keep going on how I became a counselor later, but yeah. it, well, I the think, journey of how I actually got into education. 
Yeah, yeah. I think, and it's a powerful journey. And I think that that's why I wanted to start this show is that everyone has a journey. Everyone's is so different. And there's so many like powerful pieces in each journey that mm -hmm. not only as an individual you can learn from, but sharing those that someone else can learn from. Just like you're doing with your students, your peers, the message that you bring via social media and your talks. It's mm -hmm. such a powerful thing. So I want to pull on one emotional moment when you didn't get the San Antonio job that you had thought about for a long time, you wanted, you traveled for, what were those like emotions that were tied to that, like deep rooted emotions? And then how do you continue to use that experience in education and how you bring your message to students today? So to me, that was a failure. You know, I, I just, I failed. I failed a fitness test that I had been looking forward to for four years in college. Here I am. I have my mindset on this is what I'm going to do. I want to be a police officer and then I want to go to the FBI. So you fail the test and you think, man, I am a failure. What I touch on when I speak to students as a teacher, as a counselor, as a speaker, when I speak to students, I talk a lot about failure. There are so many things in life that you may fail at. You have to learn how to dust yourself off and get back up again. That I have failed at so many things in life. Before the police department, I failed at being a teenager. I, I failed at, at so many other different things. In I still end up failing. I still fail at some things now. And so what I touch base with these kids on is to understand that if you fail, you have to get back up. That that's just another obstacle that you overcome. One of the neatest things that I do when I talk to, when I talked at, at my presentations, one of the neatest things that I that I've I've loved to do for years is every teacher in the room, adult educator, assistant principals, principals, anybody that works at the campus, I I, I tell the students I want to show you something, and I address the teachers, teachers, how many of you, but by standing up. Have you ever failed at something in your life? And you'd be amazed because 100% right. of the adults in the room will stand up at anything in life, at a marriage, at a relationship, at school, a class, uh, a fitness exam. And so that's what I bring. It reminds me of, okay, I didn't give up. I, I then, you know, I kept going. I went to Austin Police Department. I, I did pass that. I was very grateful for that. But then, you know, like I said, God had another plan and, and it just became inspiring to talk to kids about if you fail, you have to learn to get right back up again and try, and try again. Yeah, I love it. And I love that message. And, you know, I think I think we've said this on the show multiple times before is that a lot of times it looks like this like perfect scenario via social media. And I think even students are exposed to that and that affects mental health and all these things. But it's it's really being able to admit and embrace those failures with a little bit of grace for yourself and then learn from it, right? We learn so much from our failures, more so than really our success, because if it works, you're like, Oh yeah, of course it works. Like I put this plan in place and it worked, but if it fails, mm -hmm. you really have to look deeper and do that work. So I love that message. And I think we're going to come back to that with some future questions that I have for you. Talk to me. What was the transition from teaching 
teaching Spanish. You move back home, teaching Spanish into school counseling. Cause I want to, I definitely think I, you have some great thoughts on <laughs> state of counseling, which, uh, I have some thoughts up on, um, not that I'm involved in it, but I have thoughts. Um, so I want to get mm -hmm. there. Um, oh so, no, I love your thoughts. I, I just thought, you know, I said, Oh, let me let him talk for a little bit so that <laughs> I talk enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, um, so it, so I started teaching, I was coaching, I coached all sorts of sports. I even coached soccer when you're boys soccer, I don't know anything about soccer. My niece plays <laughs> soccer. <laughs> so, you know, it was just for, for the fun of it, for the, you know, the extra stipend and whatnot. So I coached at the middle school level and I was coaching two or three different sports um, at the middle school level, all while doing youth impact, which is again, was, you know, youth impacting their own youth because who do kids listen more to? Youth. And that's, right. that was my philosophy for using students right behind me to, to really present that message. And so I did that at uh, Desert View Middle School here in El Paso. Um, and I did that all while teaching Spanish. And then I became an avid coordinator. I think you had one of my friends, Ricky, from here yep. from El Paso, and he was an avid coordinator as well. Yep. So then I became an avid coordinator after, after teaching Spanish. But at the same time that I was teaching, I went to, uh, I did my online program, my master's in educational administration is what it was called back then. And I graduated in 2009 with that. I was 26 years old, Nick. I, you know, I said, oh, I'm not done coaching. This is, this is a, a passion of mine. I, I love right. coaching. I love inspiring. How much of working with youth am I going to get to do in administration? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, be able to be doing everything that I love to do with them. And these, these little, you know, these youth camps in the summer that I was taking them to, to learn right. leadership skills. And so I didn't go through to get my, uh, you know, to start applying for administration jobs right away, educational leadership jobs. I just kept coaching. Um, so I stayed coaching up until I want to say 2014, and in 2014, I made a huge transition. I'm telling you, this is a really long journey to get here. <laughs> I love it. A huge transition. And I completely left education because one of the programs that I was sponsoring at the middle school level called Teens in the Driver's Seat picked me up to be a research associate where now, now I was going to be running the programs in all the state of Texas. So I made the transition back to San Antonio moved there for about six months. And then I just realized, you know, there's, there's certain times in your life where you have to realize uh, where you are and it's not a happy place. And, and I've, I've been in that unhappy place. I was in that unhappy place before as a teenager. So I recognized it right away. So after spending only six months in San Antonio from 2014 to 15, I moved back home again, having a, 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 a master's in administration I was able to start fresh in education. I got some substitute administration jobs and whatnot. I still wanted to coach and come back to coaching. So then I became the head varsity basketball coach at my alma mater, which was a big, amazing blessing because it's always great to go back, you know, to where you came from. For sure. And that year I realized, man, you know, I, I really need to use my master's. It was tw 2017 when this was happening. And, and I said, I really want to use my master's. But again, I don't want to stop working with kids. I know that as an administrator, that that's going to be not taken away from me, but I'm going to work a lot more with adults. 
So I said, where else can I still be able to work with youth and make an impact? And 20 years after the things that I've experienced as a teenager, be able to tell kids you're going to be okay. Right. And that's how I became a school counselor. I became a school counselor because I knew that there were kids out there that had experienced the manic depression that I did at the age of 16, the alcoholism that I did at the age of 16, the suicidal attempts. The it, It's so prevalent in high school students that I said, I want to be a high school counselor. Um, you know, at high school or middle school, it didn't matter to me as long as I was making a difference in students adolescence. And I knew that, that there were going to be many, many teenagers that benefited from me being able to share my experiences. So as a matter of fact, my first two weeks as a counselor, I was by myself, a team of five, the other four were out of training. I was by myself and I get a phone call, Miss Rizzo, uh, one of our Jefferson students, um, just made an outcry. Oh, I said, oh, my God, you know, I got super nervous. I, I said, OK, no, this this is what you were trained for. This is what you were trained for. Believe it or not, the assistant principal that was there, 90 percent of my conversation was about the things that I had to overcome as a teenager. And the exact same thing that this young lady was going through, I went through 20 years ago. And the assistant principal said at the end of the conversation, you handled that as if you've been a counselor for four or five, you know, six, 20 years. Right. And you've only been here for two weeks. So it's not, I've always told my students, it's not what happens to you. It's what you're going to do with it. That's really going to make the difference. Not what happened to me when I was 16, 20 years ago, but what am I doing now? I'm telling kids, Hey, I was you. I was you. I was in your shoes. I understand now more than ever them, um, you know, going to school virtually now more than ever they're, they're struggling. They're struggling mentally because they just don't know how they just don't know. I have students that had 4.0 GPAs for three years and senior year, they've struggled more than ever before in their other 11 years of school. And, and so they need to just hear it. And that's what I love about being a counselor and a speaker for that matter is that I can tell them, I was you. I understand where you're coming from. It's going to get better. But you have to fight that battle with yourself above anyone else. It's a battle that you fight with yourself. Yeah. I Again, I've said it like 10 times already. I love that message. Um, <laughs> did, did you have any formal education in counseling? Or is this just, hey, I'm, so, I'm, so I'm an educator. I'm a coach. No, no, no. So experience. let me... I know I skipped that. I skipped that part, right? Well, see, I had all the experiences to prepare me to be that. Right. Um, but once I had, because I had my master's in administration, all I had to do was go through a, a alternative certification. Again, here I am for the second yeah. time Got it. doing an alternative certification for counseling, where now it's just the certificate that I have to earn and do the hours and do the training. So that was a one year, a one year thing. And, and um, luckily the school district, I, I'm very blessed and I love sharing this part of it. I'm so, so blessed that the school district that hired me, I was the only one from a different district and they hired me on a probationary certificate, which means I had a whole year to get fully certified right. all because of the exact same things that I just told you of, about what I wanted to do for kids. But most of all, make sure that my presence was known, that they knew that who their counselor was and that that relationship was built first on trust, no matter what. Right. And I think, you know, we talked about this the other day when we first connected is that 
you know, the things that you're doing and sharing those experiences and being a part of that relationship with the student is the important part of the counseling program inside of education. And we all know there's problems with, you know, student to staff ratio in the counseling world and all those things that are going on, you know, being as honest as you can with us, like, can you share like the split of your work? Like how much time are you actually spending on the mental health issues that students are dealing with and how much are you doing other things like the tip like back when we were students i think i may be a little older than you like i don't even remember having any sort of counselor like mental health counselor or even talks about that and all i had was the person that would like tell you what to take to go to college the, the guidance counselor if you will and i think you know, maybe even that the the format of guidance counseling needs to change. But like, where do you lie in that? And like, how do we and do you see any changes that need to happen? I, I want your professional opinion. Nobody cares about my opinion. What do, what are your thoughts? What do you do? I want to hear the real world on I'll the give ground. You my, I'll give you my personal opinion, and I've, I'm very strong when it comes to this. So I'm if my this as an if expert my, opinion, if my director, if my director <laughs> listens to this, I think that he'll agree with me because he always fights for us. Yep. So if my director listens to this at some point, I think I think all counselors will agree with me that we spend ninety percent, ninety to ninety five percent of our time being college advisors. Got it. And five to ten percent actually working on social emotional with the students and that's nobody's fault but a systemic issue amongst high school counseling i can tell you that yes at the elementary level we see a lot more of the lesson building the guidance lessons on social and emotional learning at the elementary school at the middle school level you have your student that is struggling with their identity they're finding out what they like who they want to be so you see a little bit more of sel and and the counselors working with that kid one-on-one -on -one. at the high school level it's a lot of college advising and that's why you don't remember spending much time with your counselor um yes the title used to be guidance counselor because they were guiding you not only academically but emotionally and in life now our title is professional school counselor that guidance has that that term in texas has you know just uh you know drifted away and now we are professional school counselors but so much of our time is spent on paperwork college readiness ensuring that the kids are on track and definitely a lot of school scheduling. Yeah, and it 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 is very unfortunate. And um, I, I actually did a piece on this uh, last year, and I did a whole session on me literally sitting in my office and showing everybody what I was working on. So very little time is spent on that one on one. So everything, everything that we learned in our program on different types of therapies and group therapy, individual right. therapy. We rarely use any of that, but it's going to get better. And there's there's certain programs that fight for it for us to have more time to do that one-on-one, -on -one, more guidance lessons, more social emotional. So little by little, I think the systemic issue will will probably get better. And what what's I'm like sure. what's <laughs> yeah, we hope, right? There's so many things, systemic problems that we, we hope are getting better currently. Um, what, you know, what can we do? What's like an action step? You as a counselor, if you had a voice in this discussion at like a super high level, the state of Texas, the United States, the world of education, something I like to think about 
and I'm trying to think about more and more as being that global citizen, that global educator, right? You know, at TeacherFit, we have schools in Canada, New Zealand, Australia. We have individual members in Europe, like South Africa. And I'm trying to think like, you know, are these the problems we're just experiencing or is this like global? So for the question, you are now like a global counselor, a global school counselor. What can we do to start moving this forward? And I don't necessarily... The whole like college prep, do some kids need college? Do some kids not need college? You know, all that discussion is, I think, separate. But what can we do to increase the the counseling practices to set kids up for success? Because obviously we know there's, you know, depression and mental health issues that are just rampant in young adults and in college. So, you know, how are we, what can we do to move forward? That was like the longest question ever, but I hope you got the point. <laughs> I, I think, and you know what, Nick, it is happening in some districts. I think, I think it's, it, it is going to get better. I really do believe in my heart that it's going to get better, but I think really spending more funding on giving some of the job duties that we have to other positions, honestly, um, the funding is really where it comes from. If I could tell you my, my day, uh, let me give you an example. Friday, I literally spent eight hours on the computer doing Excel spreadsheets to be able to, to TSI our students, the TSI is the AccuPlacer exam for Texas that uh, that tells our that tells us if our students are college ready. I spent eight hours on a computer. That's my nightmare. On a spreadsheet, putting entering kids' names, ID numbers, and when they were going to test. That's what I spent my Friday on. Yeah. If we could have the budget for a college readiness counselor, the budget for a scheduling counselor, the budget for a just, uh, you know, everything that we do and split it all up into different positions, we would have more time for the SEL to be able to go into classrooms and teach on mental health awareness, because you have the broad spectrum of mental health awareness, everything can be included in mental health awareness, social emotional learning. And it all starts with the budget. I think if we spent more money on on creating those positions in the campuses, I think the counselors, the high school counselors life would be much more facilitated. Yeah, 100%. Um, just something I've, I've become passionate about it. I started a master's in mental health counseling, uh, trying mm-hmm. actually to go back soon for school counseling um, to finish that. So I may follow in your footsteps. I'll be on your doorstep. Wow. Looking, looking to shadow you and be an, be an intern. Um, <laughs> so super passionate about that topic. I think I think we're missing the boat. Um, just my unnecessary opinion, I guess, or unwarranted opinion. Um, <laughs> but I think there's just a lot more that we could do to help the mental health awareness. Like you, I've got a, a background and being a camp counselor, being a coach, working with students, being a mentor, and mm-hmm. even the, the students that I still mentor from afar back in Virginia like will reach out and they're really struggling with just being at home all the time and not having any yes. social interaction. And like, what are we doing on a proactive basis, not reactive, yes. proactive to proactive. make a difference and set kids up for success? Cause I mean, like you said before, I think it's a big issue and only time will tell the impact that this, this whole pandemic and everything else associated with it has. So I mm-hmm. love that opinion. I don't know if anyone else listening cares, but I care. That was a selfish question. I, I, I oh, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. You know, and, and, and I'll tell you this, you know, everything that I say, yes, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of college readiness. It's a lot of making sure the students are on track to graduate at the high school level. 
But getting that one phone call, that one message, that one text, that one email that says, Miss Rizzo, I was going through so much and you have no idea how much better my life is because of you or, you know, I'm just, you know, rephrasing um, that, that one email of gratitude and appreciation for what you do really outweighs all of the workload that we have. It really does um, because it reminds you of why you started this to begin with. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're, you're doing great things. Like there's so many roles. And, and like you said, that even if you make that one impact that can like mm-hmm. save it, save a student, change a student's life, it's a hundred percent worth it. So I appreciate the work you're doing. Let's lighten the mood a little bit, getting into yes. a couple questions that I okay. ask every single guest. I think you're going to have some great answers. The first one, what class is not currently taught in education that every student should have? Oof, that's a great question. That is a great question. I love that. I honestly, I think self-love. Everything is at the heart of self-love. I can tell you that at the age of 16, when I did suffer from the depression, when I suffered from from emotional just, you know, chaos. And and when I cut myself as a teenager, when I wanted to commit suicide because I thought nobody loved me, all of that stemmed from how I felt about myself. If we could just teach our kids self-empowerment as a class in itself, can you imagine how much less they're going to care about what the world says about them, about what social media says that you should look like, about what social media says you shouldn't look like. If that self-love class was taught in every single day curriculum, I think our mental health um, awareness would, would, it, it would, the, I, I don't know how to say, it. sorry. Well, let me back. Let me, let me go backwards a little bit. But you know, you know what I, you know what I mean. Yeah, that I think absolutely. we would have less issues with students struggling with mental health. Self love is at the heart of everything else. Once self love is in place, there is nothing that can stop the 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 adolescent, the and any adult. There is nothing that can stop them from being who they want to be. Right, and I love that. I looking back and doing my research for the show, seeing the SEL. But instead of social emotional learning, it's social emotional love. Like I love yes. that message, and like how can we get that uh, as big as SEL is? Um, so yeah, I, and then I, I use that, that I use that SEL love a lot because that's where it starts. It, if yeah. self love is right where it needs to be, if your heart, if the kids' hearts, the the teachers' hearts are in the right place, because let's not forget about all the educators that need to take care of themselves before they take care of their students. Absolutely. But if that self love and that self empowerment is right where it needs to be, they're not going to struggle academically because their mind is going to be in the right place because their heart is in the right place. Yep, absolutely beautiful answer. Number two. If Laura Rizzo was giving a TED Talk today's Sunday, next weekend, a big <laughs> TED Talk, all the educators of the world are going to be listening, what would the topic be? Teaching your students to overcome adversities, definitely. Um, my quote, my, my number one quote that I use as a motivational speaker 
um, even as a counselor, when I talk to kids is being boundless and overcoming all obstacles that come to your life, no matter what, that life is going to happen, whether you want it to happen or not. But it's not, again, what happens to you. It's what you're going to do with it and how you're going to react to it. So definitely my TED Talk would definitely be on teaching, teaching students how to overcome adversities, how to overcome obstacles. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. In my research, I had that quote written down. It is not what happens to us, but what we do uh -huh. with it determines the course of our lives. And I think yes. that's like a recurring theme again in your story. And it's such a powerful message that, hey, things are going to happen. We're, we're all going to experience ups and downs and success and failure. Mm -hmm. And amazing, this is something that comes up in multiple episodes talking with influential leaders. It's what you do in that moment in that experience mm -hmm. that really defines you. And I, I love that message. Um, the difference. And, you know, since you're talking about failure and success, I know we're running out of time, but that, that got, one of my other no favorite time quotes. We got, we got <laughs> time. There's no time limit. One of my <laughs> other favorite quotes, and I share that a lot, is, is, you know, coming back to failure. Failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of success. Love it. So, so many people that you know that have been successful have probably failed at something in life. Absolutely. All, all the most, you know, all the most successful people, you don't, you don't hear about their failures, but they all have them. The more you research, the more you learn, the more you read biographies and autobiographies, everyone's got endless failures, but all you know them for is that one success. So as long as you keep yes. going, like keep pushing forward, fail forward, like I like to say, you know, you're, you're going to get there. So I love it. Last but not least, when your work is done in education, you're a young woman, but you've got so much time ahead of you. When your work is done in education, how will education look different? When my work is done in education, mm, I think schools nationwide, hopefully worldwide, worldwide. There we go. will have worldwide. Let's talk about that. Um, will have that social and emotional learning component. I am an advocate for social and emotional learning because if we can be, like you said, proactive with the social emotional, with relationship building, with self-awareness, with social awareness, and teach them everything that they need to know, character education, if we can teach them all that, can you imagine the beauty of not having so many students struggling with I don't think I'm good enough. I, my parents don't want me. I had a student the other day tell me I'm a failure. I hate this thing that they call life. I mean, if we were just to be proactive and, and that's what I'm going to fight for, you know, that's what I'm going to fight for as a speaker and, and hopefully one day consult on just how important that SEL component is in campuses, elementary, middle school, high school, even at the college level, because college students suffer from manic depression too. Um, in a big and way. really fight for that SEL component to be part of everyday education and be part of the TEKS. Um, I say TEKS because that's what we call them here in Texas, um, but of the of the the national standards, even you know, make it a national standard that we have to learn about social emotional learning. Yep, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. I want to be a part of that fight. We're trying to do it, even through our student fit program, mindfulness, fitness, mm -hmm. yoga, little things that you know, students can turn to, to hopefully enhance their lives. But I love, I love your passion and the journey that you've been on to bring you here is a beautiful story. And I'm glad you're taking it and doing such amazing work with it. 
Laura, where can people follow you? Where's the best place to follow you? All the good content. All the good content. Uh, definitely Instagram and Twitter. I um, I just, as a matter of fact, I just posted last night um, so a video I'm very proud of on, on self-love. And it's called uh, Filling Your Cup of Self-Love. It's filling your own cup after everything that happens to you. After everything that happens to you, how are you going to fill that cup? So there's some good strategies there on how to fill your cup. So on Twitter and Instagram, same name. Um, in Spanish, Laura M. Rizzo, R-I-Z-O 14. In English, Laura M. Rizzo, Rizzo 1Z 14. <laughs> That's Instagram and Twitter. And then um, and then my full name on Facebook. Definitely, you know, throw out some of that content on Facebook as, as well. Laura M. Rizzo. Awesome. I definitely want to see the video. If you can tag me in a comment of your workday, I definitely want to see that video you referenced and yes. we, can, we can tag okay. that in the show notes as well. Awesome, Guys, we will definitely link Instagram, Twitter. I think we got a website. We're going to put all that yes, in the show and notes. The website too, got it. All that's in the show notes. Guys, make sure you comment wherever you listen or watch this. Let us know what you think. Follow Laura. She's putting out such good, you know, such a good message into the world of education. Laura, I appreciate your time on a weekend. Thank you so much for your work. And yeah, it's been a blast. Oh, Nick, it's been a blessing. Thank you so much. I am so blessed to be able to share my message and um, and hopefully inspire some other amazing educators out there to go out there and, and, you know, do counseling because for, you know, for it, it's worth it. It's very well worth it in the long run and um, very re rewarding. I can tell you that. For sure. And I definitely think you are guys, make sure you give us a five-star review, subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast or watch, and we'll see you next time.